1: Hey guys, Ryan dropping in to share some awesome news. Somewhere in the Skies was recently nominated for the 2021 Paranormal Podcast Awards, presented by Paranormality Magazine. I'm so honored to be among many other fantastic podcasts in the categories of Best Alien UFO Podcast and Paranormal Podcast of the Year. So it would mean the world to me if you'd head on over to paranormalitymag.com and click on the vote for your favorite podcast link. And I hope you'll consider voting for Somewhere in the Skies in the two categories we're nominated for. Voting closes at midnight EST on September 30th. So again, head on over to paranormalitymag.com and consider voting for Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up
0: This is somewhere in the skies with Ryan Spread.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Somewhere in the Skies, and we have a very special episode to get you ready for the 2021 International UFO Congress, which is going completely virtual this year. We're going to talk all about the speakers, the panels, and everything they have going on over there at the iUFOC. So with us today is the president of the Congress, Karen Brard, and the master of ceremony, Alejandro Rojas. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Guys, welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. Hello.
2: Thanks hi. for having hi. us. Good to be
1: back. Of Before. course, of course. I I wish, I wish, wish, wish this thing was in person. But like most conferences, I completely understand why this is virtual. But I can't lie. I do miss coming to volunteer for the Congress. So we hi. miss you too.
3: We're going to really miss being in person, especially because this is the second one in a row that we have to do this, but hopefully next year we can um, all be back together again and this whole nightmare of covid will be gone.
1: Hopefully, I know. And hey, look, this is this is the way a lot of things are going nowadays. Conferences, school, um you know, I even read somewhere earlier that say goodbye to snow days. I remember Growing mm. up on the East Coast, growing, oh, yeah. you know,
2: right, and you would right, have that <laughs> that
1: magical snow day where you me didn't too. Have school, growing up in
2: Colorado, snow days were the best, weren't they? And it
1: yeah. was like God was on your side that day. But <laughs> exactly. now, now they'll just do it virtually, you know. Oh, so, darn internet. I know, I know. (laughs) Glories of the internet. But um, let's not waste time, guys. Let's get into what is going to be going on at the Congress this year. But uh, before we get to the speakers and and everything like that, Karen, would you mind sort of running us through how do you do this? How does one go from such a big, you know, in-person conference to to something virtual I know this was last year was the first time trying it so what is in store for us this year for the virtual conference
3: all right well I'll let you know cool. we're gonna use a, a platform called Hova and they've been winning a lot of awards because uh, they're doing tons of different uh, virtual conferences for you know big huge conferences for corporations and whatnot so that's a really uh, dependable and um, you know jam-packed app that you can do a lot of things. One of the things you can do in there is see all the other attendees. So and if if an attendee chooses to, they can upload their picture, put information about them, and then everybody can see who's there. And um, you can also chat with people. You can introduce yourself and talk. You can say, you can go to the virtual meetup room and say, I'm going to have a meetup for whatever kind of group that you want and, and put invites out there. And then people join the room and they're just like in a Zoom room, just like this. So you can have these virtual parties within the app. While during and after and any time during the conference, actually, that's and, really cool. Uh, right now, the tickets are just one nineteen, and that gets you five days. That's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday—all five days of lectures and panels—and we're going to have twenty-three. And uh, it starts on September eighth, and it goes through the twelfth.
1: Awesome.
3: So, uh, yes. once you, uh, register for the uh, for the conference. What you're going to do in about a week? You're going to a week before the conference, so that's coming up. The conference is just two weeks away now. Uh, you're gonna get an email and the, the app is called Hoover, H W O V A. But don't sign in, don't try and find it on the line and try to you know go in because you won't be able to access the conference unless you buy a ticket and put the invite code in. So I'm going to share my screen so you kind of see what it's like.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, I know um, I loved using this thing when you guys were trying it out last year. I I got to, like, interact with the people while the talks were going on. It is a really great program. And I've done a couple other virtual conferences this past year, and all I can say is um, it it, it was not as smooth of an experience as I'm sure you guys uh, will hopefully have. Yeah, we That's not- cool.
2: The app works great. It's really reliable. It's pretty simple. Uh, you know, we, our crowd is, is older and mm-hmm. they can't always figure everything out, but we really didn't have a problem with people figuring this out and it just went so smoothly last year. It worked really well.
3: Yeah. And I'm going to, uh, when you get the email, I post, um, tutorials on there. There's guides and stuff that even before the conference, you can go and read on, up on it and see, if you think you're going to have any trouble. But once you get the invite code and you go in, you can either watch it on a computer or you can watch it on a mobile device, like a tablet or your phone. Mm. Um, And you can hook up your computer to your television if you can get someone to do that, if you don't know how, get someone to do that. And you can sit and watch it just like television. So this would be the main screen. Can you see it? Yep. Okay. Uh, So this, uh, just your main screen. And then if you want to go to the sessions, you can go here and see everything that that's, Day. So we went to Wednesday and you can see all the different speakers um, like Wednesday night is when we're going to have Lou Elizondo um, and our cocktail party and give out prizes. And so every day you can go through the schedule and see what's going on there here. When you, you go to the attendees and you would see all the different attendees right now, um, like Steve Bassett has uploaded his Brian Bender. <laughs> That's so awesome. But so you so once people um, upload their picture, you can even see who's there. Uh, the community tab, you can see like, they can ask me anything that they want. Virtual meetups, uh, announcements, icebreakers, which is a chat room. You can share articles. Um, there's just a ton of things you can send messages to each other, and you can upload photos because we have a photo contest during the conference. Um, I remember
1: that from last year. The photo contest was so much fun.
3: Yeah, we have a contest that, like, uh, for the best caption, I believe it is. Um, And then the the leaderboard, there's a bunch of different things you can go do. Like, um, go check out the exhibitors. There's also a virtual hall. Let me put that up there. Here's the the exhibitor hall. So right now, here's my booth here. And here's site 251. So you can go in and... uh, See what people have? Some of the stuff that we sell there. Oh, cool. Uh, Famous levitating UFO speaker lamps. (laughs) uh, I
1: love it. And you can shop right from here?
3: Exactly. Yeah, you can go and um, contact the uh, vendors, whichever way they want to be contacted. They might even, they're allowed to also live stream from their booths. So you could come to this and people might be just standing there talking and doing a demonstration of their product. Just like the
1: vendor room. I love that. Exactly.
3: So there's a lot of fun things that you can do with that.
1: I love it. Again, it's so easy. And I think, you know, once you get the hang of it by like, you know, the first or second talk, it just becomes kind of second nature. Um, That's so cool. Well, let's I guess let's jump into who we have this year. You guys have quite a lineup so far. Um, So, yeah, Karen, if you want, you can pull up the the yeah. website there. Um, and we'll we'll show them on there. But let's just start. Let's dive right in with um, mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, ben Hansen returning for the upteenth time to the International UFO Congress. So what's Ben going to be talking about this year? Um, Alejandro, do you want to take that? Uh,
3: well, I don't think he actually knows. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I I I'm sorry.
1: It
2: is good you start with Ben in that he's one of the rare we always we don't usually have the speakers twice Mm -hmm. you know and we don't have him twice a year but ben usually comes and shows his uh his night vision goggles every year so he's always been there as part of the conference and that so it's great to have him every year
3: um, that Alejandro doesn't know, but I know.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know what Ben's talking about.
3: Yeah. Ben is actually going to be doing a panel with Mark Antonio and they're going to talk about their new show. That's just came out on discovery. Plus.
1: Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. The so. UFO witness, right? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Who knows nowadays?
2: Yeah.
3: that the newest there one already
2: one. a UFO witness show.
3: I don't know, but I, I guess you'll have to buy a ticket and tune in to find out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mm.
1: find <laughs> That's out why she's the president. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, well, okay, so here's the one I'm really excited about. And, um, wow, you guys couldn't have got him at a better time. Avi Loeb, um, yeah. you know, the guy who has become pretty – Pretty big in the mainstream media in the past year or so with his new book that came out extraterrestrial um and his new project, which I'm sure he'll he'll be talking about so yeah, do you guys want to give us a little information about what avi Loeb will be doing with you guys
3: uh go ahead alejandro you've never him
2: okay yeah avi Loeb is you know what's fun about avi Loeb is of course he Made headlines and has been making headlines because, you know, he's a Harvard uh, astronomer and he came out, you know, very strongly saying, hey, not only is this Amuamua object, this thing that uh, came through the solar system, you know, first interstellar object, weird, it's probably aliens. And uh, of course, a lot of people came down on him, a lot of his colleagues and scientists, but he really stuck to his gun saying, no, it's not just possible, it's probable. I mean, he's really convinced this this is a possibility. That's super exciting because what I think has been exciting is that even the first paper that came out about Oumuamua uh, speculated that this object could be extraterrestrial. That alone, I think, is really exciting that people, astronomy students, the people doing these research papers, are feeling comfortable enough to make that suggestion. But now to have this Harvard astronomer, one of the people in a leadership position at Harvard, coming out and very strongly supporting the idea, uh, it's really exciting. I think some of the things that he talks about, those of us who have been in this field and who have read books from scientists, you know, like Peter Sturrock or Dr. J. Allen Hynek, He's hitting on a lot of the same themes, uh, which is interesting because he hasn't read these books, but he's having the same experiences they are and people having their clothes, their minds closed. And really, when it comes to science, that's not good science. You need to be open to possibilities until you can disprove them. So uh, all of that is really exciting. At the beginning of the media cycle, when he came out, he was kind of hesitant to talk about UFOs, I think, and and mm-hmm. to really kind of... Uh, uh, getting attached with that kind of idea. But luckily I got to talk to him. You know, I had problems getting to him earlier on at more towards the end of that media cycle when he was really open to the idea. Now he's really open to working with others. Now he's, you know, putting forward that, um, which has been growing the idea of techno signatures. So we've talked about Xeno archeology. We've had people come to talk to the conference uh, about that sort of thing. The idea of looking for potential artifacts from, you know, extraterrestrial civilizations on other planets or even here. But uh, now this is really gaining momentum and they're using the term techno signatures. And uh, that's something that he's really tackled to start a group to look into. And that's what he's going to talk more about. So Uh, Really exciting times. And to have this guy coming to a UFO conference is pretty incredible, I think.
1: It's huge. It really is. And I'm so happy to see him finally doing that. We need these rebels in the scientific community Mm -hmm. to, you know, show the issue with mainstream science and, you know, how they're not willing to change their ways. And, uh, again, I think this is perfect.
3: Yeah, until the government starts allowing universities... Giving grants to universities and allowing them to study this as a science, we're not going to go anywhere. So the university themselves have to be open to it. And the government has to start getting grants because this is a legitimate science. There's something happening and we're never going to figure it out just by trying to guess. I mean, we have to have our best people working on it. And that's the people who, you know, the scholars, the people, the scientists. So, um, hopefully, this is you know, paving the way. And I think, you know, it has, I think Harvard actually has classes now that you can study you know, whatever these things are. So, yeah,
1: and we're hearing we'll that more and more in the collegiate level of, you know, courses being taught on UFOs, yeah. whether it's from a historical context or scientific yeah. or
3: archaeological, the uh, archaeological with like Brian or my, Michael Masters. Exactly. Uh, he you yep. know, thought that maybe these are just us and we'd learn how to time travel and they come back to check on us and. That's my favorite theory,
1: Karen. That is my favorite theory. I uh, I I hope nothing. more people. Will, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, t- talking about PhDs, uh, you have Beverly Rubik, who's gonna be talking as well about um from the president, she's the president of the Institute for Frontier Science, uh, the human energy field. Yeah. Um, do either of you want to comment on on uh Dr. Rubrik and what she's gonna be talking about during the uh the conference?
3: Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, she does do research into the human energy field. And um, sorry, I messed no, up. No, 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 no. Take
1: your time. Um, That's what it is for She you know,
3: Got her PhD from Berkeley. She's a really smart person. And she's just trying to see, like, you know, the energy fields in people are more affected by things than we know. And one of the things, unfortunately, that we were going to, she was going to try to do is on at the conference, she was going to, um, do this with experiencers just to see if she could gather any data that would, um, you know, put anything together that would show a difference in the energy field of these people. But that being said, um, she is, you know, working on radiation to see how that affects us. And, um, she's just really trying to find out how our bodies and our energy fields are affected by the different things in the atmosphere and, in you know, hopes of, you know, progressing that science along and, um, having it interact with
1: ETs. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Um, Well, let's move to kind of one of the big names again. Uh, Someone who you guys just saw, or Alejandro, I believe you just saw speak recently, uh, is Brian Bender from Politico. He's going to be doing a special presentation with you guys as well. Would you mind going through this one a little bit? Tease us?
2: Yeah. I mean, what's really exciting is, to me, um, is that, you know, for me, it's been all about the mainstream, bringing this information to mainstream media, getting mainstream buy-in that this is a legit topic. And it's really exciting that that has happened, finally, after all of these years. And Brian Bender is an example of what the mainstream, the power of of a mainstream, for instance, with him, journalist, he's already embedded in Washington, D.C., He already goes to people to talk about technologies, whether it's defense or space technologies. He's got people that are at Washington, D.C., people at all the big corporations. So when a topic like this comes around, he's the perfect type of person to be able to go and say, hey, what do you think of this stuff? What do you think of that stuff? And he's been able to, by doing that, break a lot of really important stories about politicians getting briefed, Um, You know, the various politicians getting comments from politicians, uh, also being able to talk to other leadership uh, in the defense industry. Uh, You know, I had mentioned and we actually are going to post for free on the the UFO Congress website this week, that lecture that he gave because he kind of talked about his experience getting into this and talking to all of these type of people and what they told him. Uh, And one of the things I asked him about was really he was one of the first when the New York Times article came out in 2017 that kind of broke the story and got everybody scratching their heads. He was the first to actually ask politicians. These are politicians who were associated with the Space Council. So, you know, coming up with space policy for the United States. What do you think of this? And surprisingly, a lot of them said, we think a lot of it. This is really interesting. We should be looking into UAPs. We should be trying to figure out what these things are. And so now people are feeling more empowered to be able to do that. And so that's what's really exciting about Brian. He'll be interviewing Fife Symington, who is the governor of um, Arizona during the Phoenix Lights, who first kind of poo-pooed and made fun of the whole thing. But years later... Thanks to James Fox. James Fox took a bunch of witness uh, testimony and said, hey, listen to what the witnesses want to say to you. Fife Simington got teary-eyed and said, well, you know what? I got to admit I saw that thing too. And I regret what I said. And here's what I saw. And I don't think that that thing is from this planet. He said, as someone who was in the Air Force for many years, I don't think what I saw is of this world. So that's going to be amazing to have both of these very mainstream people you know, talking about this topic right
3: here at this table.
2: Yeah, right. Karen's right. sitting First right column, now so I'm in studio. That.
3: Yeah, that's okay. awesome.
1: I love that, Karen. Um, well, let's move to another one of the the women that's going to be speaking at the event, and that's uh, Katie Grabowski. Now, this is pretty interesting. We all know about Skinwalker Ranch. Um, you know, whether you watch the History Channel television show or you've read the book by George Knapp, um, such a mysterious place out in Utah, but we're now learning that decades prior there was a ranch that is just as mysterious in Colorado. And I believe that's what uh, Katie's gonna be talking about. Um, so, yeah, if either one of you wanna tease us a little bit about what Katie's gonna be talking about, I'd love to hear
3: about this. Um, well, I just know that she uh, is, does a lot of research with MoveOn and interviewing experiencers and whatnot in Colorado. Um, and she holds a Bachelor of Science degree, so she is science oriented. Um, Other than that, I haven't I'm looking forward to hearing her, too, because I haven't even heard her. But um, I heard about her. I heard she was incredible. The information she has to share is very interesting. So that's why I wanted to have her a part of this conference, because um, from what I hear, she's got a lot of great stuff to share.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Colorado has a lot of secrets. Very deep in those mountains, so I'm sure she'll have some cool stuff to talk about. Well, let's talk about two other guys who are known to uh look into some really weird stuff, and that is the Paranormal Rangers. We've got, let me make sure I get their names right, Jonathan Dover and Stanley Milford. Um, right. Yeah, these guys are like heroes of mine out there. You know, not only fighting crime, but fighting the paranormal okay. and investigating. So,
3: yeah, if either one of you want to hop in, tell us a little about what they'll be talking about. Well, I just want to um, put in here that they're actually going to be here also right here in person. So that'll be good awesome. because they get to sit here and talk to each other and with Alejandro. So I'll let Alejandro take it from here. Cool.
2: Yeah, we just get updates from them. I mean, uh, the, their start, for those who don't know, they were Navajo Rangers who are a, akin to federal police, but in the Navajo, um, um, uh, you know, okay. reservations. Yeah, I <laughs> couldn't think of the word for a second. Um And, you know, but what was different about them is when they got calls about paranormal things going on, they rolled, they got in their trucks, they went out and checked it out. And uh, they experienced a lot of paranormal themselves. A lot of you who are interested and heard have heard a lot of their great stories. If you're not familiar, then you want to start hearing what they're talking about. So they've continued to do some investigations. So they're going to talk. And I even had a sighting with them. You want to hear that story?
1: uh, Yeah, if you don't mind sharing. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, so
1: we they
2: came to talk at the Arizona Phoenix MUFON, and you know when the weather's good enough, it's not too crazy hot in Arizona. They'll we'll go into a skywatch at night, and uh, Stacy Wright organizes that, and we go out there and have fun. And one time, you know, they brought their night vision goggles, so we're sky watching, We're passing around the goggles. I finally got my chance, and I was looking up, and I saw these. Five lights that looked like they were grouped together and they were all slowly, steadily moving in opposite directions, uh, which is like, what the heck is that? You know, I couldn't tell. They seemed real high up there. I mean, they move like satellites, but, you know, grouped and moving apart from each other. So I was like, hey, is anybody else seeing these? And sure enough, John Dober had the other pair. And he was watching them also. So that was really crazy. That was one of the wildest things I've seen.
3: I think, nah, cool. Apparently I was there too And i said that I saw him But I have no recollection Yeah, <laughs> like, I, was <laughs> I think I see him But I think I said, maybe Maybe I see him, but I didn't <laughs> have the goggles You know, and I need glasses So I'm pretty sure I couldn't see them
2: <laughs> He's probably just flirting with me
3: That, maybe. that could be it I was, was going to say A couple years before we started going out so maybe, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I think it was I don't know
1: <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, let's move to, um, oh, here's a good one. Mr. Lee Spiegel. If oh, you don't wow. know who Lee Spiegel is, you should if you're into UFOs. And he's right. going to be talking about one of my favorite moments in UFO history um, when it comes to kind of the government, but the UN. The exactly. first time the UN got involved with you, the UN. So yeah, Karen, would you mind telling us a little about
3: this one? Yeah, they were trying to get a bill passed to investigate UFOs in the U- UN, and he managed to get um, Help Me Out, Alejandro.
2: They, they It eventually became, a, they were trying to get he a resolution, but me. they got a decision. Oh, Sir Eric Gary, he was helping. Yes,
3: him. and what country was he again?
2: He was uh, the Prime Minister of um, Granada. Granada, yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: Yes, yeah, so they had this hearing, they had, um, Heineck was there, uh, who? Uh, Lee was there. Jack ballet, ballet. I mean, these Those big things. Um, earlier, Lee had made an album where he went around the country interviewing ufologists or you ufologists right? I always say it wrong. <laughs> and uh, had this on an album, a record album, all these different interviews, and he used that to persuade people, you know, to about this issue of UFOs. Um, but this this footage was lost. I mean, we didn't. They didn't know where it was, and it turns out that. Lee started doing, or actually it was James Fox's sister was doing some research and she said, I found the footage, but it was actually the footage of a TV station and they tried to charge Lee for it. Well, Lee contacted the UN and said, nope, they don't have the rights to it. We have the rights to it and we're going to give them to you. So Lee has the rights to, or, you know, the rights to use this video and produce anything he wants to. So for the first time, he's going to show clips of this footage and no one's ever seen this before so uh, yeah they awesome. used a tiny bit
2: in the James Fox is his latest uh documentary but there's hours of it and Lee's got it and you mm-hmm. know Lee got it because he was the one who it was his idea and he organized the whole UN presentation and so now he's got this amazing footage so It's Mm -hmm. going to be great to see it. I mean, like you said, Ryan, it's one of your favorite events. It's one of my favorite events. Very few people know about it. Even with all the fervor on this topic, really no mainstream has really picked up this story to tell this story. I hope that happens at some point. But and uh, not only is it an incredible thing, Lee Spiegel by himself really made this all happen. I mean, it was his idea. He sold it to him and then enlisted the help of Valet and 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 Spielberg, we've got a video at I'm Open Minds <laughs> where he talks about how Spielberg even helped a little bit. Right. It all you know up. what's funny?
1: I, I actually, I watched the episode of the X-Files recently where they talk about this UN meeting with really? you know, the it's ambassador incredible. of Granada. And I'm wow. like freaking out. I'm talking like, like,
3: oh my God, that's Lee. Yeah. I,
1: told, <laughs> I turned to Jane, my girlfriend. And I was like, Jane. Lee Spiegel, the, the, what they're talking about right <laughs> now, talking was about talking about like Lee? Lee Spiegel. It was uh, so we great.
3: thought that was so great. I sure hope he's seen it. I'm sure he has. But. Oh,
2: that was the last season, wasn't it? It was. The, now yeah. I remember. I know, first yeah.
3: episode, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's crazy to think that, you know, these people we've known for years have, their work has been put into pop culture. You know, you, again, you look at people like Heinick who ultimately became a part of close encounters of the third kind and then had a sh- TV show about him. It's just it it's amazing how many people um who, whose lives have been touched by these people, you know, and the the hard work they've done. And um that could be said for a couple of the other people you guys have. Let's let's group them together here. We've got um uh we have Pardon me, Steve Bassett and Nick Pope, who are also going to be talking about Mm -hmm. um, the government and disclosure, as the two are very apt to do. Um, But I know Nick is going to be actually talking a little bit more about um, what comes next. You know, we had this Pentagon UFO report come out and, you know, whether you liked it or not, it, it was a big deal. So, um, yeah, if you don't mind, one of you guys, um you want to talk a little about what Nick and possibly Stephen Bassett will be talking about as well?
2: Yeah, I can make just one quick comment. And then uh, it's just that, you know, both of these guys deserve a lot of credit as well in that, you know, a lot of what's going on right now is is related to what they've been working on for years. Of course, Steve Bassett. Uh, in Washington, D.C., lobbying to get information out. And then Nick Pope, I think, you know, when it comes to some of the government people that have real government work uh, experience, like, let's say, Dr. Gen- or John Alexander, who was a colonel in the Army, looking into th- this paranormal stuff, or Nick Pope, Nick Pope, guys, has been right on the money. The things that Nick Pope has talked about, what is probably going on in the government, how they may do this or that, He's been right. He's got great experience. And he was the Lou Elizondo. He was our Lou Elizondo for many, many years. Of course, he came out of the British government, so Americans don't get as excited. Um, but uh, that's what's really important about having these guys right now and, and having Nick talk about what's next because he's got, you know, he's one of the most educated on the topic to be able to discuss such things.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And then, you know, Steve Bassett, obviously one of the most passionate speakers out there on disclosure. Fighting the good fight is always, I assume, this is what he'll be talking about. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Good old Steve with his passionate speeches. I'm looking forward to another one. So
1: <laughs> Yep. It's just like having, you know, Leonard Skinner play Free Bird for the one millionth <laughs> time. It
3: he knows knows how to get your emotions going and get the crowd on his side for sure.
1: Oh yeah, he gets yeah. my blood pumping every time. Um well, let, I guess let's move a little to um the more human side of of the conference and that's the uh the experiencers. You know, sure. something I'm very uh obviously <laughs> in tune with. Um that's basically my work is with experiencers and mm-hmm. I interviewed one of actually all three of the people talking about experiencers uh, in your conference here. But um, N.K. Cranda, she's kind of new on the scene. Yeah. Um, a younger person in the UFO field who I, again, had the pleasure of interviewing in my my most recent book and um, really kind of taking the torch up and working with these people. So, yeah. Do either of you guys want to chat a little bit about what Yvonne Smith, N.K. Cranda, and, um, of course, Kathleen Martin will be speaking about?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have Yvonne and uh, Kathleen and NK all work with experiencers. So they have that, um, you know, more human side reporting other people's experiences and helping them through that trauma. So it's mm-hmm. a lot to talk about how, you know, what the experiences are feeling, what they report, how this affects their life and, you know, ways of coping with this. So we're really happy to have them. And we also have a couple other experiencers, Eric Mitchell, who also works with experiencers, Matthew Roberts and Chris Pittman, was a UFO? Uh, I'm sorry, a MUFON in, investigator. He and he'd been on Ancient Aliens. He wrote a book about the Bridgewater Triangle. Well, he mm-hmm. kind of pulled back out of the um, out, out of the field for a while because he himself was becoming an experiencer of some really strange phenomena that kind of scared him, actually. So it was a he was a little bit wary and hesitant about coming back into the field, but he agreed that he wanted to do it. So. Um, he's going to share what his experiences are going from an experience, uh, an, an investigator to an experiencer.
1: I, I know what happened,
3: but it did. Right. Yeah.
1: I, I applaud anyone who's willing to do that. Cause again, mm-hmm. the more you get into this field, the more, uh, you know, the more apt it is to happen, you know, in some that way, he, shape or form.
3: I mean, it kind of just bridges. I mean, it kind of proves that there's some kind of bridge between ufology and consciousness we don't know what it is yet, but and and all these things kind of overlap, like the Skinwalker Ranch, those people were having weird paranormal experiences, even when they weren't there. So this right. thing can follow you and attach and like it's just, you know, hopefully having a conference and having people together and maybe, you know, it kind of can put these things together. Um, at least it can relate things to, you know, from one to the other, and people can start seeing it as one big phenomenon instead of separate phenomenal
1: absolutely and um you did mention Matthew Roberts this is a this is a get I mean this guy has just recently come forward um and you know we all know about the people involved with the tic-tac UFO event now um you know Kevin Day Gary Voorhees um obviously David Fravor but you have the guy who was on the Theodore Roosevelt during the gimbal event and they go fast event. So, and I know that wasn't it for him. His story continued. So yeah. yeah. Are you excited about that one?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, like once he, he investigated it, then things started happening to him and he started having these conscious, consciousness episodes um, where he would, I'm not exactly sure what he experienced, but it was a very strange experience and he's you know, really wants to share it with us so we can understand it a little bit. Cause I mean, it was something he was completely un, you know, was not expecting
1: Yeah, exactly. And I know, you know, even after being involved with those events, he went on to work for the Office of Naval Intelligence, which we all know is like in charge of all the UFO stuff going on right now.
3: I mean, maybe they know he's up there. Maybe the message they wanted to send or whatever, you know, information they wanted to uh, transmit, maybe they're using him as some kind of conduit. I'm not sure.
1: Who knows? He, he's an interesting guy. I, I had the pleasure of speaking with him, and some of the stuff he said really, really blew my mind, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, let's talk about one of the most recent announcements you guys have made. He is all over the headlines here in America, and also in his homeland, I would say, of Australia, yeah. and that's Ross Coldheart. Um, So yeah, tell us a little bit about Ross and maybe um about what he's going to be talking about at the conference
3: yeah well he's sort of a rock star back in australia he's uh produces films he's an author he's on the 60 minute show there he does different kind of um special broadcasts of different things um and he just had a his new book is called in plain sight and it's going to be released next month um so we got him right at the right time before everything breaks through but uh he uh went, you know, decided he wanted to do a book after he did his film, the UFO. I want to say it right this time. Phenomena. Phenomenon.
1: Yep.
3: <laughs> I messed it up the other day. But um, you know, he wanted to follow up with his, his book. So he went and he um went interviewed witnesses, experiencers, military, supposedly um intelligence people in the tel- intelligence um anonymously. So he's got a lot of uh, really neat and things interviews and from people that no one's gotten so far. So um, it's sort of like, you know, it's really neat to be able to have someone in a different country and these stories that we wouldn't no- we wouldn't normally be able to get, he's going to bring them to us. Um, and he got some really top secret stuff, supposedly. Yeah.
1: I know there's some stuff that he hasn't really talked about in interviews, which I'm sure will be you know sort of a special thing for those attending the congress as well and um off the record some of the things he's told me were pretty um pretty intense so i'm sure you know your attendees are going to get a little piece of that at the conference as well and i know one of those people he interviewed for his documentary and book was the man of the decade it seems mr luis elizondo Hey guys, Ryan Spreck here. When I'm not making podcasts, I am listening to them. Seriously, I'm obsessed. And if there's one person and one show I turn to every week to hear stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained, it's of course gotta be Jim Harold's Campfire. With over 500 episodes, Den of Geek called Jim Harold's Campfire the best tool we have currently in existence to hear real-life scary stories from other human beings since the actual campfire was invented. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to other regular folks and strange stuff that's happened to them. And yes, that includes UFOs and UAPs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and true head-scratching mysteries. One of my all-time favorite stories is one where a woman almost ended up being absorbed by a painting in a mysterious bar that seemed like something straight out of the Twilight Zone. Or there's the story of a young man who encountered a spider-like creature with baby hands. Then, there's the story of a woman in England who encountered what she thought was a banshee, only to suffer a horrible tragedy only moments later. Now, not all of the stories in Jim Harold's campfire are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one, or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, there are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. So, pull up a virtual log, get cozy, and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. And I know he's not so much doing a, you know, like a lecture, but he's going to be doing a special, uh, what is it, Karen? So he's doing something with you, right? A dinner dinner, uh, cocktail party?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we usually have our Wednesday night banquet right. know, to know the speakers kind of thing. So this year we were going to have Lou, um, but even though we're not going to be able to be in person, we're still going to have a cocktail hour, and he's still going to be, let's talk about what he's doing, catch us up on the most recent things he's doing, and then open it up to questions and answers. So uh, if you get your ticket, you can get on the app and ask all these questions that you've been wanting to ask for all this time to Lou.
1: Yeah. And I know people have them because he is a former intelligence guy. He knows how to uh, work his way around a question. But I know he's always so mm-hmm. open and willing to talk to people at the yeah. Congress, which think, is
3: awesome. You know, he, I think he shares what he can. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Especially, he can. Especially
2: now. It's great that, you know, we now have Elizondo unleashed because it took a lot of effort to get that. I think we had one of the very first, you know, interviews at the Congress with him after everything went down. And it was so much work to make that happen and negotiate that with uh, To the Stars and everybody. Uh, Luckily, we had a relationship with them already. But uh, it's nice now that he's kind of Elizondo unleashed. He's out there doing his own thing. And uh, he's really, you know, embraced this community. Um, so it's, it's nice.
3: Yeah, and uh, I guess he'll probably um, update us on what's going on with his uh, his lawsuit. I guess you would call it a lawsuit against mm. uh, the government about he feels like he, he was uh, his name was kind of dragged through the mud. Mm-hmm. And it was, you yeah. know. The, the way this
2: field was, I was attacked, you know, Ryan, you know, you're right in the mix of how heated it got. And if you supported Elizondo and some of those guys, or if you just, and it wasn't, I didn't feel I was supporting him. I felt I was reporting mm-hmm. and the evidence showed he was who he said he was, despite what the government was saying uh, or the Pentagon was saying about him. He And it, and it, you know, during that time, He didn't have a lot of people on the inside to talk to. And Karen and I, you know, Karen, we made friends with him and his wife and and visited occasionally. It really took a toll on him. It was really difficult, um, you know, to have his kids seeing this stuff Mm -hmm. and seeing mainstream media doubting and thinking he's lying because the Pentagon was putting out wrong information. And I don't think they were doing that innocently. So um, I think he definitely has a case in, uh, in the public mind, if not legally, that they, you know, did a lot of damage to his reputation and uh, and his well-being um, by doing that. And I think it was totally, I don't see any other way to see it except for retaliation for him sharing information they didn't want him to share. Um, yeah, because they would not, This
3: none of this would have come out without Lou Elizondo. He decided yeah. that this is what he wanted to do. And because he didn't, he thought, you know, there's these things, we don't know what they are. I've talked to the Navy people. They don't know what they are. They outmaneuver us. And that is something that we need to study. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, it's just, I think it's just fear. We've been so afraid of trying to uh, to delve into the subject when they know we, we are so far behind that we don't even know what what it is. Of course, it's probably technology that is beyond us. But still, we need to know that there is something out there. And so it's all because of Lou.
1: Yeah. And I, what, uh, again, what I think is really good about a lot of the people you have speaking this year is these are the people who are holding the government accountable. You know, this first assessment that they came out with, with the Pentagon, it was an assessment. And, you know, frankly, it let down a lot of people, which I think was to be expected, but you know, they're not going to just let this go. Elizondo, Chris Mellon, Brian Bender, like they're, work in their reporting continues after that because that's how we got what we got were these tenacious journalists like ross coltart like brian bender uh Mm -hmm. you know putting them in the corner and saying we're not gonna we're not gonna let you go that easy so yeah
3: and now the congress is tasked with they have to start you know they said we want more investigations done so that's what's supposed to happen
2: yeah and you know to your point i think what's really exciting about and I think as you guys can see, you know, because a lot of people come to me, I want to do this with the Congress. I want to do that with the Congress. And I tell them, talk to Karen. Karen does this. Karen puts this together. People don't believe me. They're like, no, you're still the guy. No, Karen's a boss. Karen puts this together. She's the one who's put together this amazing list this year, last year, year before. You know, I get to make some suggestions. But I think that my point being that, you know, first of all, as you can see, Karen knows the topic because she's the one who puts this together. But I think what's exciting about this time and these speakers also is that we're seeing kind of this unfurling, um, this blooming going on where, you know, when I interviewed Chris Mellon, and, and this is why I really feel this story is important that I wrote about how these intelligence agencies all made this happen. Chris Mellon had a grand plan he couldn't have done it without Lou and all these other steps coming to fruition. But I felt he really wanted me to understand that there was a game plan and there were to break those floodgates. What he needed to do was to get it official on the record. What we all as researchers knew that the military did take UAP seriously and they did investigate them. So we needed Lou to come out and say this, but then he needed the government or to kind of, Take hold, also, and lo and behold, way quicker than they expected. The Navy said, "Okay, we got to fess up. We do look at these things. We do take them seriously." That legally opened up the floodgates, legally and um, kind of mentally also. In that, you know, now Chris Mellon could go to the people he worked with in the Senate and say, "Look, guys, Navy has admitted this. Now they have come forth and said this publicly." You all now have to do your job as far as oversight on this to figure out what's going on. And that kind of allowed the legal framework, but it also created another framework. And that was for all of mainstream, mainstream science and otherwise to now start to tip their toes into this field. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more and more people coming forward. Abby Loeb, these other PhDs that we've been talking about, Brian Bender. Uh, you know, now they're starting to get slowly get involved. And that's what I think is exciting that we're going to continue to watch is these people get involved and start to share. Last year we had Kevin Knuth. I know you've interviewed him, another physicist who's I think shared some amazing stuff and this is what's getting really exciting as as more of this starts to continue to happen and that's what I'm really excited about with this conference to have these people who have been starting to get involved share what they've they've discovered or what they think.
1: Yeah, and again, I think the the conversation within, you know, the mainstream has opened up so much. And I think it is making, like you said, Alejandro, not only Congress members or people in government, but the mainstream scientific community more open and willing to talk about this, which is awesome. You know, Kevin and, and everyone over there at Expedition uh, X, UAPX, or you've got the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies with over 50 scientists and you know people who are ready to say, like, use us, government, use us. If you really want to do science with this topic, we're here and we're willing to work with you. So I love to see this convergence of the scientific community finally getting involved governmentally. And, um, and hey, I think that's one part of the Congress And then you've got this other part with the experiencers and those who have had uh, paranormal phenomena, which is what we will hopefully get to eventually within government. You know, now we're dealing with very nuts and bolts, craft being monitored by our military. And that's a huge step that they're willing to acknowledge that. And as the years go on, all we can hope for is finally... Abductions will be a part of that conversation. Yeah. Or right. Those encounters, you know,
3: this evolution in, mm-hmm. in acknowledgement, I hope at least. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, there's such a huge um, unknown factor out there when we went to AlienCon in Baltimore and in LA, there was huge amounts of numbers of people that came that showed up, that watched that show, that are into the subject, but they're they're not they've never voiced that this is something that they're interested in. They came to our table and they were like, I've never been to anything like this before. I don't even tell anybody I watch ancient aliens. <laughs> so there's a ton of people that are into this, interested in this subject. So I think, you know, the, the people are going to push it and they're going to want to expose. Yeah. yeah. And I, I it, you know, what
2: your comment makes me think of uh, is this documentary series coming out by Dean Alioto Uh, We were hoping that he would have an episode ready for the conference, but he's not yet. But, uh, you know, he's working on something that is right up the alley of what you're talking about. It's the evolution of, okay, we're talking about all of these topics, but what about this stuff going on? And he just brilliantly, excellently brings people there uh, in a very credible way. And I can't mm-hmm. wait for people to see it because it's just incredible.
3: Yeah. And There's I can wait to get that conversation
2: comment. going.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, you, you did mention Dean. Let's mm-hmm. talk about uh, the film festival, if you don't mind, Karen. Um, I, I know submissions are still occurring and whatnot with that. But yeah. there we need more submissions. To- submissions, yeah. submissions.
3: Bring them in. Send yep. them. The, you can go to the website, www.ufocongress.com. Go to the um, film festival tab at the top of the page. And in the uh, directions and where to send your films and how to do that right there on that page. So we're still accepting submissions. So if you have any, um, send them in. And uh, also that's also where you would get your tickets. Um, www.ufocongress.com. You can buy a ticket to the conference. You can also buy your virtual booth ticket there if you're a vendor um, and you want to get your uh, want to get your booth up there. Did I show that already? exhibitors, yeah, I think I did Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. be on there if you get a booth. You'll be on our website, and you'll also be up there for six months. So it's six months of advertising, basically, and that's, that's just $1 funny. million. Dollars, so, And that's I do so want to add that we are going to have some panels. We're going to have an experiencer panel like we usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will have the experiencers on there. We're also going to have, um, like I said, Ben and, and Mark talking about their new show. We're going to have the Debrief guys. That's Tim McMillan, MJ Benias. And Micah Hanks, they're going to have a panel and update us on what they've been uncovering. They, they have a website and they have all sorts of different um, articles about space and UFOs. So you'll want to catch that. And there was another one. Well, there's going to be more panels. So we like to combine all the people, the speakers together in different ways to come up with really neat panels and have people interact with each other.
1: Yeah, it's like the All-Stars. I love those panels. They can get heated sometimes, which
2: is yeah, what you that's want. Fun,
3: <laughs>
1: Nothing
2: like some which big is what you want.
1: Exactly. I love it.
2: And, I, and that it. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I whenever I host them, my, that's my goal is to bring up the controversial topics hopefully in a way that we could talk civilly mm-hmm. about these things, but you know, to talk about, hey, you believe this and you believe that. And as people that are professionals who are looking into this topic. Let's talk about that. Why do you believe something differently and and where is the common ground? And there often is common ground. And uh, I think that's fun. And it makes it, you know, more of a cohesive kind of community, uh, I think, when we can start to do this, because that's what kind of creates bonds. When you're on stage and you have an experience, especially an experience that uh, emotes some emotion, you know, then you're like wow you know we've we've really shared an experience together so um yeah that is a lot of fun
1: absolutely and some of my greatest memories have always come from the congress and some of the some of the um you know the most enlightening uh, information i've learned in this field has come from the Congress, so I can't wait for it. I, I I wish I could be backstage with you guys, but I will be backstage in spirit, and I will definitely be attending. But uh, one more time, uh, can you guys give us the website? And uh, yeah, any last words you want to give before we wrap
3: things up? Yeah. I just want to say that ten years ago, at the 2011 UFO conference, was my first conference ever, and I didn't know a single soul. So you can see where, how my evolution went. Wow! Nothing very, uh, I'll have to share that story someday, but there's a lot of these synchronicities and these things that just happened that got me to this place. I don't know why, but it happened. So it's kind of, I feel like I was meant to to be here and to do this and present this in- information to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make
2: a comment and then I want Karen to wrap it up because okay. Karen should, can share all the, where oh, to go and everything absolutely. and put the last word in there. High but up that bow, yeah. because she's worked so hard on making all of this happen. Uh but you know what's great about the conference, uh, and I think, you know, t- to remind people is that the Congress, and I think, you know, uh you can agree, Ryan it's always been kind of a pace setter for the year mm-hmm. what the topics are going to be what people are going to be talking about because we do bring them in we try to get them to talk about their most exciting stuff and get those controversies going but to discuss in a more um you know civil manner and also to bring people who you may not have heard of but have great information to share like we've talked gone over some of these people so It definitely is a community thing. It is a community feel. So some people think, oh, you have to be there physically. Not necessarily. When you're getting there together, the excitement's there, the excitement's in the chat rooms and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just implore people to join us because it is a lot of fun when people are real-time. And you can attest to this too, Ryan, you know, doing these live streams and everything. There's something to it. It's exciting when something's live and you're there live and you can ask your questions real-time. And interact real time. So, you know, I hope people uh, do join us. Um, it's totally worth it and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: And I should add, this was my first conference I ever spoke at. You guys gave me a chance and I was a nobody. I didn't, you know, I had, I had oh, my gosh. book out. <laughs> and, and, you but know, you I were did,
2: already I, a bad mofo and oh. <laughs> I had no doubt you were going to be awesome and you were.
1: Well, thank you. It was, you guys really gave me my start. I, like I said, I worked backstage for five years and I finally somehow tumbled onto the stage and uh, I have to thank you for that. But yes, Karen, please uh, give us all of the details one more time and any last words you'd like to
3: give. Okay. One more time. So right. the, by the full conference, and that includes exhibitor halls, experiencer groups. We forgot to mention that Yvonne and uh, Kathleen and we'll be um, hosting the experiencer groups where you can, Check into the room um, and just like a regular your group, you talk about your experiences. Other people talk about theirs. You listen. Um, We're going to have those. We're going to have the film festival. We're going to have the meetups, the awards ceremony, all that stuff, just like normal. And you can get that all for $119 at www.ufocongress.com. And I'm working on it right now, but you can also buy individual sessions. So if you only want to buy one or two here and there, you're going to be able to do that too as well. So, If you've been to the site and there was only one ticket, go back later, and there's going to be the different sessions that you can buy. So you don't have to buy the full thing if you don't want to. So that will be up for you and very shortly. And it's just two weeks to the conference, so don't wait, because as soon as uh, I send out the invite code, you'll be able to log on to Hooba and start investigating things and setting up chat rooms and answering questions and getting those points for prizes. So I I love it.
1: Awesome. Well, again, I know I will be there. I know a lot of other people will be there. Um, I'm so happy to hear that debrief is going to be a part of it as well. You guys have built a community that is so um, just welcoming and uh, open minded. And that's what we need in this field always. So once again, I will see you at the Congress. Please go get your tickets, guys. That is a steal. If you've been to any of these conferences, this is the biggest one in North America, and it is by far the best. So, Alejandro, Karen, thank you so much for joining me once again on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you. Thank Thank you so
2: much. Always great to see you.
0: Skies is produced by third kind productions in association with the entertainment one podcast network flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans